Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going, well, I'll say right back to the beginning, but the 2005, the beginning of the resurrection of Doctor Who. Yes, we're starting our Series 1 retrospective with a look at Rose. Blimey, well, I don't know what we're going to do when we've covered this lot, Paul. We've run out of ideas, haven't we? <laughs> well, some would say that happened a few years ago. <laughs> Hence, yes, we're doing Rose. <laughs> we, we passed that point years ago, didn't we? <laughs> okay, well, as usual, um, let's kick off with some news. Now, unfortunately, we start with some um, sad news. The director, Rodney Bennett, um, has died at the age of 81. Um, now, Rodney Bennett directed uh, 10 episodes of Doctor Who. Um, first beginning with the uh, the Sontaran experiment. Uh, which was, I think it was, so it says here, and it's absolutely right, the first Doctor Who story to be filmed entirely as a television outside broadcast, which I, I mean, I quite like the Sontaran experiment. We haven't sort of covered it in any yeah. form here yet, have we? But, no, we haven't, no. No, but um, I've always always have quite enjoyed it. Um, but then, of course, he, he, his next one he did, obviously shown in different order, obviously, was The Ark in Space, um, which obviously which is the story before the Sontaran experiment, um, which is a, a brilliant story actually yes it's, it's a real classic that one um then he come and did um the mask of mandragora as well um i don't know if that's quite so fun to remember that one or not the mask of mandragora because it's a another hit sort of semi-historical one isn't it yeah so but i mean i like the fact he used port marion for argument's sake where they filmed the prisoner so it's got it's got quite a, a unique look look, you know, look and feel to it um but no, and it was a cheap way of <laughs> oh god, yeah, of bringing some Italian architecture into <laughs> it was supposed to be set somewhere in Italy or whatever, wasn't it? I think it was actually, wasn't it? I believe, yeah. So um, no, it was. I mean, he's he's done sort of quite sort of a lot of other things as well in television. I mean, he's done stuff for um, um, Z Cars, Doctor Finley, Sense and Sensibility, Darling Buds of May. Um, I think he did a version of Hamlet, which starred Derek Jacobi. Um, yeah, so he's also nominated for two BAFTAs as well, uh, for The Legend of King Arthur and Monsignor Quixote. Um, I don't know what The Legend of King Arthur one was. Was it that... No, I was, I was thinking of that one with... Um, was it Arthur and the Britons? Do you remember? Yeah. No, the, no, I can't think of the actor's name. He was in The, the Stud, when he or The Bitch or something, that Joan Collins film. Was it Oliver Tobias? That's that? the guy, that's the guy. I thought that other series he did... Um, um, was it The Smuggler or something? Oh, I can't say I'm really. Do you remember that one? <laughs> only only lasted for one series that one, but um, the only reason I know it because it was it was filmed in um, Lee Bay, which is right. uh, down in North Devon, where my family lives. So that's the only reason I know about it. So or remember it semi semi remember it, I should say. So I couldn't remember the actor's name, but thank you very much, Oliver Tobias. So um, oh dear, but I say um, getting back to Rodney Bennett. I mean, um, eighty one. That's a that's a, a, a fair old age, really. So yeah. Yeah. It's getting less of a fair old age the older we get, though, isn't it? Yes, indeed, as we're rapidly approaching 50. So. <laughs> when I was 22, it seems to be, yeah, that's a great age to live to. Yeah, now, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm closer to that age, probably, than I was down to 22. That's <laughs> a great age. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Anyway, so... um. But it is the, I mean, I've only got a, a glass of water with me, but cheers to Rodney Bennett. I mean, you did leave behind a, a good um, sort, of, sort of body of work for, for Doctor Who there. You really did. So, um, anyway, no one's next in the news. Now, 
As we know, um, Class has now started airing on BBC One. Um, in the sort of in in the dead zone, it appears on um, on, on, on BBC One. Yes, um, because the ratings haven't been great, have they? No, I hadn't realised that they was actually going to show them basically as quickly as possible. It does seem to be. Let's get this. It appears to be. Let's get it over and done with because there's been absolutely no trails for it. No. There's no advertising whatsoever that this has been on BBC One, which I find, you know, amazing, really. Um, and it has, you know, sort of hurt the series quite, sort of quite badly, actually. Um, episode One uh, got 0.94 million viewers. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, however, um, that's still a 10% share of the TV total audience for, for that particular time slot. So... If you look at it like that, it's not that bad because, I mean, Newsnight only got like 0.65 million. Um, ITV uh, One was running through the keyhole, which had 0.75 million. And Channel 4 won it with um, the First Dates Hotel, some reality show, 1.37 million. So there's not a lot of people watching telly that time of the night anyway. No. To be honest. So you look at it like that, not too bad. But then Episode 2, The Coach of the Dragon Tattoo, which followed immediately after Episode 1... Only got 0.39 million. So yeah. now, however, because the audience figures are so bad for that time, and it actually did uh, win the time slot for, for, for yeah, that time I mean, at night. It's, you know. it's, it's, yeah, for a Monday night, something starting at 22.11 is not going to get a huge amount of audience. It's not, is it? It's not. Now, these were just the, um, at the time, they were, these were just the, like, the overnights. Um, so, um, I haven't seen the final official ratings yet anyway, but episodes three and four, unfortunately, didn't fare much better. Um, episode three, uh, an audience of 0.84 million viewers. These, again, were unofficial overnight uh, viewing figures. And then Co-Owner of a Lonely Heart, which started at 11.30pm, uh, got an audience of 0.28 million. And that was only a 5.1% share of the um, of the TV audience. Um I just think that BBC are treating this fairly shoddily, really. Um, I don't know. I, this, this has all the all the hallmarks of contractually obliged to show it, doesn't it? It does, kind of, doesn't it? Um, they expect anybody who would have been interested will have watched it. Yeah. On BBC Three. So, online. Yeah. So, why really are you going to be... How many new viewers are they going to really get to this? Not that many, to be honest. Not that many. It, it's it's it is, a, it is a big shame. It is a big shame because I know we. Well, I, I mean, I certainly didn't sort of treat it that kindly. But when we when we reviewed it last year, but it it had a lot of promise. It's, it's difficult to know as to what the BBC expected from this program. Um. Were they expecting this to be something that would take off and be really big, in, you know? Or are they just thinking, well, this is quite a nice little spin-off that fills a time slot? Well, or fill, fills, fills a, a hole in the market for the time being? Mm. Well, it, uh, it, And it, they're happy with these figures, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think, I mean, other people have commented, I think, like we did um, when we were reviewing it, is that... When it came to terrestrial television, this show would be better off being shown at nine nine p.m. on BBC Two. Yeah, that that 
really was its its time slot because that sort of niche, and it is a niche pro, uh, program because they they were going for a, a certain demographic with this show. They were going for the young adult audience, and yeah. if you're going to put that on at ten forty five or ten forty, it is, and then following up at eleven thirty, eleven forty p.m., you're not going to get that target audience. So but, it, it makes to sense on, to put it on. To be honest, though, when, when when is the BBC? When do the BBC show young adult stuff? They don't. This is what they're trying to make BBC Three Online into, isn't it? Yeah, which is why probably how this does on BBC One or BBC Two should be really meaningless. Well, it should be really, but if they, but as I think, if they, if, as you say, they were contractually obliged to show it on yeah. terrestrial television, BBC Two is the perfect home for it. Yeah, you know, not BBC One at that particular time slot. It, it certainly isn't, but I think also because the running time doesn't do it any favours either, because they can't put it into an hour time slot. No, you maximum forty five minutes, and that's it. You know, so it, it's oh, I don't know. It's a shame. It is a shame. But somebody I can't remember um, who tweeted this or put it up on Facebook, but it, it, it something happened. Um, I think it was earlier this week or late last week, where the, the cast of um, Class were actually sort of retweeting a petition to get a second series off the ground, uh, which really doesn't sound that there is going to be a second series if they're, well, support, you know, if they're no, supporting it's, a petition. It's hard for young people to get their money for their first house, isn't it? So... <laughs> <laughs> you can understand why the cast are doing this. Young people, it's hard enough for any for anybody to get <laughs> money to go for a house these days. Bloody hell! Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It, I don't think the signs are good for a second series. I'll be, I'll be very surprised if there is one. No, I really will be now. Um, however, though, well, as, it just depend depends. Well, a, it depends on on how it does in America. Well, that was I was about to say that. I was about to say that. Yeah, because it's yet to air on BBC America, and they've. By looks, things sort of put quite a bit of money into this, so we'll see. We'll see on that one. Yeah, and and if we're criticising the BBC for how they're showing it, I mean, why are they still waiting to show it in BBC America? I know, I don't get it. I do not get that logic. I do not get that logic. Um, actually, somebody made a um, another comment about this being a Doctor Who spin-off. Spin-offs usually carry over um, characters from the parent show this hasn't done so because none of these cats were known previously in, in in doctor who apart from the doctor in, in the first episode so yeah. um i'm getting to wonder whether that sort of this is why people haven't sort of cottoned on to it it's um, not it's not it's not a spin-off in the true sense of the word it's set in the same universe but it's not really a spin-off because spin-offs traditionally carry over characters don't they yeah and this hasn't done so. Maybe that's hurt it a bit as well. I don't know. Yeah, to a certain extent, I think it's one of those things where perhaps if it's given time to grow, it will do. Although you just feel that the idea of it. Well, a, how much time can it be given to grow before they actually get too old for the school? Well, <laughs> there is that. Um, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> and how much stuff really can keep happening in one school? Oh no. I know it's. I think well, they already did start to take it outside the school anyway, didn't they? So in in some of the episodes, so, certainly before Ofsted downgrade it from excellent anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
Well, after leaving such a big cliffhanger with the Weeping Angel, I, th- I think it, it it needs some kind of resolution, certainly. Yeah. Whether it's going to be in the form of a TV series or it's going to go um, into sort of you know written form, perhaps, or someone's going to start a comic or something. I don't know. But I think it does yeah. deserve to be wrapped up, whatever, or or, or, or continued in some form. But uh, anyway, now um, as we've sort of managed to drag out uh, talking about. <laughs> television statistics, audience statistics for, for the last 10 minutes. Let's go to Omega's Tech Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, okay. Now, um, I'm not entirely sure whether we've actually mentioned this one before or not, but I, I seem to remember it might have done it in a previous incarnation, perhaps. The mm. Doctor Who Time of the Daleks board game, uh, this one is. Now, has this now been up, 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 updated, I should say, to include Peter Capaldi? Well, I presume so, seeing he's on the, the front. Because I can't remember if we front of the box. Because I can't remember if we covered this before, which still had Peter Capaldi in it. I'm not. I can't. I cannot remember. I cannot remember. But um, anyway, anyway, um, yes, it appears the players must cooperate to stop the Daleks. We're trying to get their towers to Gallifrey first to prevent Davros from invading the Matrix in the first place. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, have you seen any price for this, Paul? Because I can't see anything on no. the link. No, haven't. I don't. Le- I don't think it's actually necessarily. They're saying it's not necessarily released yet. Oh dear! It all seems to be. Is this exclusive, some- Tap Paul? Well, I don't know. It seems to be uh, almost as if someone's pitching it. <laughs> as much as- <laughs> oh dear! Well, okay. I've just gone to the um, the Gal Force Nine web for- uh, website. I think the people who, who make this um, uh, make this game. Um, and it is seventy five US dollars. Yeah, which is a lot of bloody money for a board game. Yes, Christ, that is a lot of money. Um, yeah, I, I can't really say much more. It's got all sorts of things in there. It's got um, it says the the uh, the tenth Doctor showcase. Oh no, that's the just articles about the game. I don't know what I'm looking at. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's just yeah. There, there seems to be a lot going on with this game. There does. But doesn't suggest that it's something that you just think, oh, come on, <laughs> we've had dinner now, let's get the board game out. No, this this does look overly complicated. Have half at an this. hour, just, yeah. Yeah. A half an hour to actually go through the rules. We'll see. <laughs> on, the fir- <laughs> on the first attempt, anyway. <laughs> I was going to say. So, this, 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 is, this is certainly a game where you don't want to open it up and find, ah, oh, doesn't seem to be any rules with it. <laughs> So I'm just looking at some of the pictures here, um, and you've got like four TARDISes, um, about seven dice for crying out loud, um, little Dalek saucers, and you've got figures of the of the some of the different Doctors as well. Um, this actually looks far too complicated for me to bother with. Actually, it does. <laughs> it's one of those ones where you just think to yourself, but it's one that you open it up, and by the time you understand how to play, everyone's lost the will to play it. <laughs> I think I'll just stick to Kaplunk. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that game. I understand <laughs> Kaplunk. Or Connect Four, perhaps. You know, but... <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, if you've got $75 um, on the hip, um, you, you, you can order this from um, the Gale Games. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And um, maybe a family that's got a lot of patience as well, actually. So. Yes. 
Oh dear. Okay, everybody. So um, that's it for news and tech call for this week. So coming up next is our um, a review of Rose. So for another week, then that was the news. Okay, everybody, um, it's time to begin our Series 1 retrospective. And, of course, this week we're going to look at Rose. Rose. I'm the Doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. The Doctor is a legend woven throughout history. When disaster comes, he's there. He brings the storm in his wake. And he has one constant companion. Who's that? Death. You could stay here, fill your life with work and food and sleep, or you could go uh, anywhere. Is it always this dangerous? Yeah. Okay, Paul. Now, I can't exactly remember whose turn it is to go first. Sh- sh- shall I just... I can, because it's yours. <laughs> is it... <laughs> I was going to say, shall I just go anyway? So... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be my guest. Be my guest. Okay. Um, well, considering this, this is the thing that sort of launched it, and I'm trying to think sort of how I felt back in the day, really. And I was sort of like, was this... I put it this way, it wasn't what I expected it to be back in 2005. I didn't expect it to be quite as polished as it was. I was still expecting to be like studio bound and, and you know, filmed on um, video and, and everything. So, and, and you saw something that was like a mini movie um, yeah. appeared on the screen. So, and I, I've got to admit, sort of nearly sort of like, you know, nearly 12 years later, I think it actually sort of quite, it, it, in places it holds up quite well. To be honest, yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't dis, you know, dislike it at all. And I certainly sort of I did enjoy watching it again because it's been a long, long time since I've watched this one. Um, obviously, it, it it has got problems, um, and I think I think that's probably where I'd like to start off. Really, is is the problems? Every everybody lays the blame at Keith Boke's doorstep. Yeah. Um, However, I, I well, yeah. one person definitely does. One person, <laughs> yes, certainly does. But I think there's there's a whole multitude of things or, or factors that come into into this. I think it's not just Keith Boat because you, you had the production team made a lot of the choices here as well. I mean, the main thing is nobody yeah. really knew what they was doing, did no, they? No, they didn't. Um, or and, how or how or how pressured they was giving, how much pressure they was putting on themselves, precisely, and each other. Yeah, and I think because of like Keith Boke didn't really know which direction or tone to take with this. I don't think the production team did. Russell T Davies didn't as the writer either. I'm not going to start off start us off as a as an RTD bashing exercise because it's not because without him we wouldn't have Doctor Who here today. No. We certainly wouldn't. So, but the, the, it's it's the tone is very very uneven for me. Yeah, you got the feeling that they spent so much time actually petitioning to do it mm. that once they then got the go ahead, it was all a bit oh oh now we've got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it did seem a bit like that, didn't it? It, it was it was. Um, 
I don't know. Maybe this is why you got burping bins for argument's sake, um, and that they're still not funny now. Actually, no. uh, time hasn't been been kind to that. Um, time hasn't been kind to Noel Clark's performance as Mickey Smith either. No, to be honest. Um, although I, th- I think I don't think much of that is anything to do with Noel Clark. No, no, yeah, it just there wasn't quite sure. I mean, I suppose to a certain extent, the character had to be quite wet for for want of a better word mm. just to be someone that rose would leave yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah because 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 if he wasn't then you'd be sitting there and saying why are you just leaving this bloke to run off yeah why are you leaving someone... the, yeah the love of your life this complete and utter stranger so yeah <laughs> but you sort of have there has to be that point where you just look at mickey and think yeah, no, can't stand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think there's um, there was the other thing I, I thought was a bit. Sick. Yeah, the the the, um, the bit with the, um, the 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 arm as well. Yeah, in, in Jackie Rose's flat. Um, again, played for comedy. It it didn't fit like the burping bin. It didn't fit, and it, it, it that really does let the side down that bit as well. When he's sort of yeah. r- r- you know thrashing around the room with this pretending this arm is strangling him, you know it 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 looked ridiculous then, and it still looks ridiculous now. Unfortunately, you know, it, you know, Tom hasn't been been kind to it at all. But but no, they they didn't they didn't have the the effects to pull off a convincing arm. No, it still was somebody holding a plastic hat hand to their throat yes it was and by the time it grabs hold of um, Billy Piper's face in certain spots it doesn't look like it's actually on her face at all like she's yeah. holding it sort of you know you know, like a couple of inches away in some bits so um, yeah I, you, you could certainly tell they're still trying to certainly trying to find their feet in the, in this first production block but you know they, they really were um, I mean and also, also at that point they're, they're probably not quite sure as to where what the BBC quite want from them is this a children's program? Is it you know where where are they? There's also probably they're writing with the idea of where are we pitching? Who are we pitching this? What, what does the BBC want from it? Because there's the pressures on that. Because if this series doesn't work, they're not going to get another chance. No, exactly. So I mean, they're this... almost having to wonder what they produce, what they think the audience want. And perhaps to a certain extent, what they think the BBC want. Well, I suppose you could say to a certain degree that this, this whole series in 2005 was one big long pilot to prove to the BBC that Doctor Who was still popular. There was, yeah. you know, there was still, you know, there was still an interest out there for it. Um, and obviously, there certainly was because I mean, this got like 10.81 million viewers in the UK. So, um, you know, people certainly still were interested. Um, and I think a lot of that does go back to the casting of Christopher Eccleston, certainly yes. because I mean, he—I mean, I've got to be honest. When he was announced, he was the last person I expected. Even though he'd done yeah. a lot of stuff with RTD, he was the last person I expected to be cast as the role of the Doctor because you just expect to, he was always in sort of serious things. You know, he was in sort of like um, oh, I don't know, sort of things like Cracker, and he was like doing Thomas Hardy play uh, uh, films and serials, and you know, it was. So to see him doing the Doctor, um, 
So not not wanting to overplay it, but it was the sort of thing that actually sort of gave you hope that they were actually taking this seriously. Exactly. Because there'd been rumours, hadn't there, through most of the time when Doctor Who hadn't been on, that of of who was going to play it. And it was just like, it got more depressing than every time you saw a story. Well, to be honest, not a lot's changed in 12 years, has it? No. Because it... No, yeah, that we still have, happens we now, you know. So yeah. you get that that endless list of the same old. I think even back in two thousand and five, you probably had Alan Davis was mentioned in there, or Eric Idle, um, as he always is. Eric Idle, it seems. Even go back to nineteen ninety six, his his name was was mentioned as playing the Doctor. So um, yeah, or Russell Brand, or I you know it, it gets silly. I don't yeah. know. What was, that's the thing because I think because towards the end of Doctor Who's first. Go round in 1989. Um, I think it, because the show had become such a joke, and then the, the characterisations of the actors were so broad, it was like pantomime come the end. And I hate using yeah. that that word along with Doctor Who, but it did become pantomime. And I think people just couldn't get that out of their head. And I think I think this, when it was shown, just surprised people. Yeah. It really did, sort of like, you know, Doctor Who can be, can look good, it can look polished, it can have good actors in the role, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 then the worry then came was when they announced Billy Piper, wasn't it, was going to be the companion. Well, I think, I mean, certainly in this series, I, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. I, mean, I was thinking, when yeah. I was watching this back at the weekend, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we we sort of all thought that it was a bit of stunt celebrity casting putting her in mm. to attract yeah, I, an audience. I did as well, to be honest, I did as well. And I did actually think to myself, was was it that they actually knew she was going to be that good and that's why they cast her? Or was it a bit of stunt casting and they just got very lucky? Um. Well, I, I don't know really, because I mean... Billy Piper, I think by that point she was just known as being Mrs. Chris Evans. Yeah, I, th- I think because her, her recording career had, had just sort of dried up. Yeah, after that, um, and had no real acting. No, not really. Credentials, did she? Or I mean, not, certainly not that we. Didn't she, aware of. Or didn't, didn't she go to the Corona Stage School or something? Wasn't she sort of in that? Uh, schooling was sort of like in you know you know the you know those acting schools for yes. kids, so I think she I think she did sort of that kind of thing. So obviously she had done acting before, but I, I'm not conscious of her being anything other than that. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a quick look now actually just to see if she was in any sort of things like Biker Grove or something like that. So no, but that's what I say. I only says you just I just wasn't quite sure whether there was definitely a thing where. They'd auditioned her, or someone had said, "No, no, she's she's she could be really good in this role." Yeah. Or whether it just was a case of, "Okay, we've got the serious actor. Now we need something that's going to appeal to to the kids, for want of a better word." Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then she came along, and they just actually got lucky that she did very well in the role. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I already don't. I'm looking at this now. They said she made a debut in Scratchy and Co. If you can remember that Saturday morning kids thing. No. On on <laughs> no. On, on, on ITV. Not at all. She said at the age of 15. But that's between 19, the Scratchy and Co. went on between 1995 and 1998. Um, that's in the deep 
distant past for us now, Paul, isn't it? So, yes. <laughs> um, yes, we were in our twenties back then. Um, oh God, that is that is terrible. <laughs> that is sad, yeah. isn't it? Um, but um, it doesn't say what she did in it. So I don't know if she appeared on it singing one of her, or was it because we want to? I, I don't know. Or she did a acting part in it. I've got no idea. So, but looking at this, that's the only TV work she did prior to Doctor Who. Yeah. So, I mean, well, that's according to Wikipedia, and as we know, that's always right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, so they really did take a chance with her. They took a gamble, and it yeah. it, it paid off. Yes, it really did pay off. It really. Like I say, did. just the thought occurred to me was I didn't know whether it was an educated gamble or they just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the. The th- uh, no, actually, another thing, uh, one thing I want to say about Keith Bocatch, there's one particular shot in this, and the way it's edited together, I love, is when Mickey um, is asked by Rose to throw the um, the arm in the bin on the way out. And he tosses it in the bin, and the camera pans up and over into the bin, goes down to darkness, then the next thing you know, it, it, it's sort of zooming in on, on Rose's alarm clock. Yeah. In the dark. And that, I think that's a fantastic shot. Now, I don't know if that's, that was Keith Boke's idea or that was done in the editing room. I've got absolutely no, no, no idea. But yeah, they cut out 20 minutes of his stuff in <laughs> So, do you know what? I, I'm going to defend him for that one. I'm yeah. going to defend him for that one. Um, now, the other thing... Um, actually, should, should we talk about Eccleston as well? Because I've already said, how doctory do you think he was? Or do you think he bought that more of a, a, a human aspect to it that made people connect with the show um because some because so, to me something he did play quite alien like when he does that speech yeah. to rose about he can feel the earth moving and and you know and all that um and then yeah. then he's sort of like i know a lot of people criticize eccleston for like gurning a lot he does quite a bit of gurning if that's if that's what you want to call it um in this. I, I i think that's done to actually because i think he actually does play it quite as a hard character. Yeah. And I think that Gurning is there just to soften him, to make him likeable. Yeah. Or, or their attempt to make him likeable at that stage. Because I must admit, it, it didn't bother me at the time, because I think at the, the, the time when I was watching it, I was just so wrapped up in the fact that Doctor Who was back on the television. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, and, and even Graham Norton couldn't spoil it for me. No. <laughs> oh dear! I've always done it twice now, Graham Norton the sod, hasn't he? So, but um, yeah. I <laughs> but I actually go, go, actually going back to the scene what what, uh, what uh, Graham Norton interrupted. Um, to be honest, that bit where where Rose and again actually this is twice I'm now going to defend Keith Boke actually. Um, that bit when Rose is in the basement, calling out after after the uh, the caretaker or janitor for our uh, North American listeners. Um, that's quite effective because there's no music, yeah, in it at all. Which, which would, and everybody criticised Doctor Who for spoiling the the tension or the atmosphere by you know overlaying the, the music too loudly. But in that particular scene, there was no music at all, and it worked really well. It was all the much better for it. Now I don't know if that was Keith Boke's um, idea or again that was that was done um, by the producers or in the edit or whatever I've got no idea but um, they just hadn't got around to do, working out what music they was going to maybe have. they hadn't maybe they hadn't but but do you know what I'm going to defend Keith Boke for that 
<laughs> Twice. That's it, Keith. You've had it now. That's it. We're done. We're done. Um, yeah, but that that that, that worked really well. It's you crossed off Eccleston's Christmas card. <laughs> I don't think I was ever on it. So. <laughs> Um, but the other thing I, I, I liked in this, and I thought it was a shame the character was killed off, was that was the character of um, Clive. Yeah, actually, because I, I I thought it was quite an interesting um, character, sort of like someone who's sort of been started up a a website um, as well, all about the Doctor, and he'd been sort of following throughout history, sort of just sort of piecing it all together, and I know sort of like that sort of internet conspiracy theorist nutter. Kind of thing, um, yeah. But I mean, it, it was a it was a clever way of saying to people to, to put put it in there without it being too much to try and say. Look, the the this, the time travel thing, and just to give a bit of background to the character. Yeah, without it having to be the Doctor himself explaining. Yeah, it it was a very good way to, as you say, to do the exposition and. <laughs> it, it is a great way to introduce a new a new audience to the Doctor, but at the same time, pleasing the old fans as well. Yeah, you know, just say you know we're not ignoring what went on before. You know, we are acknowledging the fact that we're other other Doctors. You know, so it's um yeah, I thought it was it was great. And what the other thing I did actually, no, I, was, never... I was going to say that actually, get get quite sticking on that. Yeah, go saying about um how how it stood up to time. I can only say that Photoshop's improved quite a bit, hasn't it? Oh, God. From that shot of the, trying to put, the, put him in the Kennedy... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah Kennedy Associate. Yeah, that didn't look too good, did it? That, <laughs> no. that really looked rather poor, actually. Um, yeah. Actually, that, that's that's one of the things I was, I was going to say I, I have a, a, a bit of an issue with, is the fact that when, when the Doctor walks into um, into Jackie Rose's flat for the first time, he, he catches sight of himself in the mirror... And it's played like that's the first time he's looked at himself. So you're sort of assuming he's just regenerated. But there's yeah. still the, all the evidence that Clive has accumulated. He's been that way for some time, it appears. So I can't yeah. believe he's not actually looked in a mirror. So um, that's the only thing that sort of doesn't quite add up. But it's a nice little thing to do just to say to the audience, you know, he's been throughout all of Earth's history. He's been there at all the important historical events and... And things like that. So, I, I suppose, really, if you start that with... And, and also quite just the idea of the the whole thing, that to an outsider, they'd think the title was handed down. Yes. Between people, rather than it being the same person. Yeah. Which which is what they were sort of, or Clive was, was trying to allude yeah. to as well, wasn't he? So Yeah. Yeah. But that, yeah. that's how he'd rational, rationaled it to be. Yeah, exactly. Now, while we're still on the subject of Clive, there was one thing I'd never noticed before um, when, when watching it previously, and that was um, Clive's wife's reaction. Oh, it's a girl. To, to, yeah, sort of like it's, it's a, a sort of like a woman's a woman's read your website, and I just, I I'm sort of thinking is was there some sort of hidden? I'm taking as as a hidden meaning to that. It's saying yes, women. Girls, whatever you want to, you want to say, um, are interested in Doctor Who. It's yeah. not. It's not just the boys' only club. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think to say that back in two thousand and five, when you just launched the show again, um, which I think was was a, a bloody good thing to do because it, it yeah. was acknowledging the fact that no, it's it. 
it may traditionally seem, traditionally well it may seem like a boys only club um to to I say to the knotweed to the outsiders but it, it's not and it never really has been to to a certain degree you know i think i think just because of the people that sort of push themselves to the forefront of of, of doctor who fans in in back in the day were traditionally male weren't they Hang a minute, I think our female colleague on this podcast would like to say something. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I would I would love to um, have a a, a, um, a female voice on this podcast, actually. <laughs> Just to sort of counter counterbalance some of our crap sometimes. <laughs> oh, dear. We do try, folks. We do try. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Tone's worn stockings before, but it hasn't quite had the effect. <laughs> no, before. The pair of us being sick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that certainly wasn't the desired effect, was it? But, um, but that, but after after that, we get this nice little thing with with um, um, with, with Clive and Rose, and it, intercut with all this, you get the stupid Mickey and the Bin um, yeah. scene, um, which we said at the beginning. It's still not funny. It never was funny. No, I mean, it, I mean it never the will whole, be funny. The, the idea of the bin, fair enough. I can understand that. It it's was just plastic. Just was... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the 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 it, it's a particularly uh, interesting idea. We know how they they work with plastic. Being old fans, we know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it just was the burp, wasn't it? The burp, it just burp. And then of course, well, and and of course, you get the um, the Alton Mickey was also played yeah. for laughs as well. Um, again, that didn't work either. If they're, no. me- if they're meant to be um, able to infiltrate <laughs> different races by, you know, by making copies of it or, or bait from plastic, um, they're going to behave a little bit more convincing than that, to be honest. You know, and and to, it- be, to be honest, did it really need the makeup and everything? Wouldn't it have been better just to have had him... Well, back in the old days, I, I, I'm putting on my old Doctor Who fan hat now. But if you think about when it went back to um, Spirit from Space, yeah, when, when they did the copies of, the, of of whoever they were sort of kidnapped or whatever, they just had a slight sort of waxy sheen to them, yeah, and that was it. But with with Mickey, he's got like this perfect sort of like Lego hairline, yeah. And it, and the makeup is well and truly overdone and sort of penciled on eyebrows. Um, and it didn't work. It no. did. It really didn't work. Um, I like the idea of, you know, it, it can morph its hands into like stabbing or chopping weapons or something. I like. I like that. I'd always that was something they could never really do um, back in the sort of early seventies. I like that idea, um, but. You've got to feel that a gun would have been more effective. Well, yes, indeed. indeed. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bit kind of something for effect, really, isn't it? It is, it is really. And then, of course, you get sort of the, the, the Doctor's casual disregard for Mickey's life as well. Um, yeah. You know, which, which again, that, that sort of played up the alien yeah. side of it again. This is this is what I mean. The the, the the how I think how he was asked to sort of pitch his performance. Um, Eccleston was was it was very up and down in that first episode. Um, but again, it, it wasn't really his fault, was it? Well, no, you, yeah. you get yeah, you get the feeling they wanted him to play it a certain way, which we probably didn't see until Dalek. No, exactly. 
which we're obviously going to come to. Can come to, yes. At some point, so we'll talk about that then. Uh, and yeah, so they but they didn't want to start with that. So you've got this, yeah, this odd sort of. They needed to try and make him likable enough to catch the, to make the viewers want to follow him. Mm. So yeah, you get this up and down bit really, where he should have been really more morose and more angry and whatever, considering what the backstory is meant to be to him. Yeah, um, I, I think it's what you what you were saying earlier on that that was sort of you know about we we talked about the gun and everything. I think it's just it's like a a mask he's wearing, isn't it? Yeah, to hide the fact what he's been through, and and occasionally it slips. Yeah, I think it's probably the best way to look at it. Um, well, certainly from my, my point of view, anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I did sort of. It's those sort of things that sort of sort of bring it up again, if you if you know what I mean, you know. Um, but then, of course, when you you get the he meets the nesting consciousness. Now, I'm, I'm unfortunately it's now just a big blob of plastic. I, I actually quite like the old octopus creature um, yeah. from from years ago. Um, but maybe they didn't have the budget to you know to 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 do that sort of thing. Um, but that's what the Nestine voice was. was oh, what, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, and we're talking about the Doctor Gurning. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, really, exactly. we, we need we need him being caught by some octopus creature, don't we? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no Gurning there in the original. I was, I was high spot my own patel there, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh crap! No, you're absolutely right. But at least they tried to do something. Yeah. Because by the time they got to turn of the autons, they couldn't really bother to do that, could they? So. No. Um, yeah, so but he said well, there was some quality gurning with a telephone line as well. Oh, there was actually, wasn't there? Oh, he was a champion gurner, actually, Purple, didn't he? <laughs> any, any, any opportunity <laughs> for doing different voices and gurning sometimes at the same time. <laughs> oh, Christ. Now, what, what was I trying to say? Was Nicholas Briggs did the nesting voice, um, even though I can't actually figure out what the hell he said. Was it? Yeah. I think just making a lot of guttural grunting noises. That's all I could actually fathom out of that. I... Yeah, you just got the feeling. Yeah, it was just the fact. Yeah, I, I just sort of watched that. Even now, I just watch that and think, oh, well, it's something the doctor understands. Yeah, and then, we're not. But then so did Mickey because he said it, it talks like that. You know, <laughs> yeah. when, when, he was, when he was carrying on the floor. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's more telepathic. Who knows? Who knows? Um, well, then you get the, the sort of the main Auton invasion um, when they're sort of bursting out the shot windows, which again just echoes Spirit from Space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is know. purely put in for the. Oh yeah, uh, even... you're going to do you're going to do the Autons. You're going to do that scene, aren't you? Exactly. Even down to the sound effects of the Autons' guns. That that is the yeah. the same sound from you know not you know 1970. So um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it looked great, and the Auton costumes um, look great. I must admit, I do like the old ones. From Spirit from Space, there was something sort of quite eerie about that sort of half grinning face. Yeah, the sort of the Autons had. Um, but for a 21st century show, obviously that's not really going to work. Walking around in boiler suits and silver boots, um, as, the, as the, and scarves, as that not the good combo that actually. Um, to back in the day, so yeah, it as far as updates go, it was it was a bloody good one, really. Um, and people got killed. Like they didn't sort of shy away from that aspect. I mean, Clive, no. poor Clive, gets shot dead in front of his family. Mm. But yeah, yeah, but just drawing the line, actually showing it. Yes, indeed, indeed. Now I think this is. I, I'm trying to just trying to 
No, no, they don't sort of still sort of shy away from people dying, do they? Though I think they sort of try to for a bit, but I think since Capaldi has been in the the, the death quotient has, has gone up again, hasn't it? So yeah, especially with, with sort of um, into the Dalek and stuff like that. That was sort of. Um, but anyway, um, yes, yeah, so I, th- I thought it was really really well done. I think I think I don't know whether they were sort of saving the 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 budget for the episode for that particular scene. Or not? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You feel that that's the that's the scene that Russell T Davis had, wasn't it? Yeah. Started with that. That's what he wanted to do, <laughs> and the rest of the story just had to lead to that. Yeah, exactly. So he had to introduce the companion. Yeah. Is that, is, introduce the doctor, <laughs> and get to that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was as far as he he really needed to go. Yeah. Another another man shot in the face. In front of his <laughs> wife and child. <laughs> family viewing, folks. Family viewing. <laughs> Actually, the thing thing necessarily that I didn't pick up with at the time, mm. and obviously is back with the when the doctors talking to the nesting consciousness. Yeah. And when they when it shows when it, they obviously they reveal the TARDIS, and it's there the doctor saying, "No, I couldn't do anything." And the whole thing with that, that the Doctor, other races would look upon the Time Lords as um, criminals and warmongers and whatever. Mm, Yeah. As they obviously did. Yeah. They blamed the Doctor for the the destruction. Of their, what do they call them, breeding planets or whatever. Yeah. What they called them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it... Again, it, 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 it was starting its, its own sort of mythology, with, with yeah. just with that, really, wasn't it? But something that I never actually sort of led into it. I mean, I wasn't really necessarily that... In, realised that there was actually, at that early stage, you had the whole thing with other races and the mm. how, how the Time Lords would be viewed. Because you always sort of felt that if there'd been a... In a, in a time war between Time Lords and Daleks... Everyone else would be behind the Time Lords. Well, you would think, wouldn't you? But, but obviously, you know, there is this thing that uh, races that got dragged into the war without wanting to be would blame both sides. Yeah, exactly. No, I, th- I think I, that's a very good point. Actually, it, it's. I so say it started its own mythology. It it showed what the other race, as you said, showed what the other races thought of the of the time was, or thought of, as you say, what would happen if if a war began. Yeah, would they be seen as that you know the 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 sort of the benevolent sort of race that they're sort of held up to be previously? You know, and and they're not really, no. which was which is an interesting twist. I know a lot of people didn't like, especially the older fans didn't like it that they sort of you know did away with the time lords and. You know, Gallifrey was destroyed. He was the last of his kind. You know that that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. which I am one and was one, but more from yeah. the point of view, I just I just quite like the idea that there was always someone that he was running. He was always running, running from, from them. Yeah, and now and without to run them, from. They yeah, didn't, yeah, they didn't feel to be. I mean, you did it did basically come to its logical conclusion with with Tennant's Doctor mm. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they couldn't keep that going for much longer, could they? Really, no. he had to have, as you say, that was that was the whole raison d'être of, of the show 
back in 1963. He was on the run. Yeah, yeah. You know, he and Susan stole a tire this and run away. So, as you say, without that, what was he just bumming around the galaxy, really? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You didn't. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't want the time lords in it all the time. You just wanted there to be this reason why he didn't want to stay in one place more than just yeah he was yeah as you say bumming around the galaxy yeah yeah exactly i mean he's still fighting a good fight and everything but as you say he needed that that whole reason to to do it yeah um now i think this this again where the episode ends or how um the the day is saved i should say i think this is where people had a lot of problems I think again it came back to the old fans again, where it was the companion that saved the day and not the doctor. It was all about the companion, and I, and I think it's already been established previously on many other places that the reason it was done so the audience could connect. Rose yeah. was your window into the doctor's world, you know. So I'm not I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, no. And and you also then you know, sort of has to have it's then a reason why he'd want to take her. Yes. Having been travelling on his own for so long, is that this is then somebody who has saved him and has proved that uh, perhaps this would be a good person to be with. Yeah, I mean, if she'd been like another Mickey, you could see no real reason why he would say, you know, do you want to come come aboard? You know, it it just wouldn't have worked. But it, it was just the way that it was done in the cheesiest way possible with that whole gymnastic speech. Yeah. Um... Which I really didn't like back then either, because it was just so, it just felt contrived and forced. It was almost if like, well, I don't really know how to get out of this. Um, I know I make her, I give her a gymnastics qualification or, or I mean, bronze was, medal, yeah. and 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 never if, and never if, reference if, it if again. You it a, if you wanted it as a throwaway line, to have had her actually swing in and do that, yeah, and then. When she comes back and she's standing up there and she's saying, "Well, that was the bronze medal in gymnastics coming useful." Yeah, would it would might have been better. It was, yeah, it was the giving the speech why you're in that situation was a bit. Yeah, was it the no job, no qualification, you know, no prospects, yeah. or, you know, and all that. Not stuff. exactly necessarily the thing that's going through your mind at that time or the fault. Perhaps no, it is. I've, I've never been there. Maybe in the world, <laughs> in the world, I've never done gymnastics. <laughs> No, neither have I, actually. Maybe if I did it, I'd have a bronze medal in gymnastics. <laughs> not, not, maybe, not maybe, bronze level. <laughs> well, maybe if you did, Paul, maybe you'd be a bit more sort of um, upbeat and willing to mention it in serious situations. <laughs> maybe you'd be a bit more flexible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I, actually, there's one last thing I just want to sort of discuss, really, um, about this, because I, I did enjoy watching this again, to, uh, to be yeah. honest. Um if you cast your mind back to 2005, what was what was your reaction to seeing the TARDIS interior? Because it was like nothing we've seen before. Because again, I was expecting, you know, the, the the control panel in the middle, the roundels and all that. Yeah. And we got this weird, organic, almost like a coral thing in effort inside. And the, the, you know, the, the TARDIS well, console was, was made out of bits and pieces, wasn't it? It was more than it followed um, the the movie, didn't it? Than it followed. Well, the movie the series. One, the movie one was almost a bit steampunk in its 
Yeah, but it, but it opened up that concept of a massive room. Oh, I love that. I love the mat that you and just, yeah, whatever. So obviously, yeah, they, they just it just opened up the idea that the the actual TARDIS could be anything. Yeah, and I think was it wasn't it supposed to be like he he sort of been repairing it over the years with bits and pieces. Yeah. I think it was used to get to give it that sort of that sort of look. I think, which is well, it's, it's a right mishmash of different things on there. So, I like I me, mean, I like that idea. Um, but at the time, I wasn't really sure at all yeah. about the TARDIS interior. Um, I think it's one of those things I sort of grew to love. If if you see what I mean, yeah. You know, so no, it, no, I think it. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, watching this, it was nice to see it, it again. Sense. To be honest, you know, yeah. So, that was a weird thing, but. Um, but no, I mean after after all this time, I, was, I, was st- I enjoyed watching it. I'm, I'm actually sort of quite, sort of quite looking forward to watching the rest of the series. It's got a couple of bum notes in there along the way, but yeah. um, you know. But again, it, I, I don't return to this series that often. To be honest, no. I, I don't know. About, do, I mean, do you? Do you sort of like think? Oh, I watch some Doctor. I oh, know I'll pop in an Eccleston. No, because I had to take the cellophane off of this box. You're set joking. When... <laughs> Which I've had for years, basically. Have, have you got uh, the? Uh, is it the Tardis box set? Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. That that was got that uh, for um, sort of Christmas two thousand and five. Actually, that was my, that that began my um, that actually that sort of kickstarted, funnily enough, my Doctor Who DVD collection because I didn't really collect any of the DVDs either, even like the old stuff I never I never collected. So this this is sort of it sort of kickstarted me into collecting all the old stuff as well. So I've got I've got a lot to thank Chris Eccleston for actually. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just does. I think I think we are going to go through this this whole series, going. Oh, wouldn't it wouldn't it been interesting if they'd done a second done a second series? Yeah, I think developed. So. I think. I think, so. I think I think that's going to be a recurring theme. I think for us, what doing this retrospective. I think it this. will be. I think you're right there. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So. Just to warn everybody. <laughs> Perhaps we can start up a drinking game that every time we mention, wouldn't it have been good if you'd have a second series? People have to have another drink. Actually, every time you mention it, can I have another drink? I was going to say, to be honest, most people, when they're listening to us, feel like, can I have another drink? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, should we sort of um, numb the pain? Should we end this now, then? Yes. Oh, God. I'm glad we both enjoyed that again, anyway. Yeah. We both liked it. Okay, right. So um, that's that then. So coming up next, we we sort of decided on, on, on the next podcast, um, we decided we we're going to do a, a Target review. Yes. Aren't we? And you selected this book, didn't you? I have, yes. You have. So would you like to tell everybody what we're going to be covering? We're going to be doing The Curse of Peladon. Well, hey. Excellent. Mainly because I was just going through what we've done. And Fortnite said, we haven't done a third Doctor thing for ages. No, we haven't. Um, yes, folks, because, you know, um, Paul is, is definitely a Doctor Who fan. He made a list. <laughs> he made a list of all our previous podcasts, just so we don't end up doubling up on something. Well, that, that, that's, more, that's more the worry. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that I was, I was so proud of the body of work we produced that I needed to, <laughs> to, to, to get it down on paper. Did you... It was more the fact that I've now got so confused as to what we've done as commentary, target book, 
or whatever that I suddenly thought we are one day going to actually start doing exactly the same st- yes you you actually did an excel spreadsheet didn't you <laughs> it's finally happened oh <laughs> uh, let me say write it down on paper don't you mean chiseling in marble don't you <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So anyway, that's what we're going to uh, going to be doing on our next podcast. So, um, well, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, mm. I don't know if our listeners are, but I certainly am. So. <laughs> okay, everybody. So until um, well, week after next, basically, it is goodbye from me, Phil. Goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.